This is Blatant Misreading, a podcast where we take academic and political theory somewhere it was never meant to go, popular culture. My name is Margie Tong Oxley. And my name is Aaron Posner. Our movie for today is Zootopia, an animated film released by Disney in 2016. It follows a world of modern anthropomorphized animals and specifically the life of rookie bunny cop Judy Hopps after she moves to the big metropolis of Zootopia. We'll get more into the plot as we move along in the episodes, but we want to cover the theory we're doing today first. So the theory we're going to be covering today is Kimberly Crenshaw's essay, The Marginalizing Intersection of Race and Sex. Um, This essay is essentially kind of the OG article on intersectionality in which Crenshaw puts forth that the frameworks of sexism and racism are inadequate independently to address the experiences of people who experience both of these systems of oppression, such as in her example, black women. Crenshaw analyzes several legal cases and outlines how the judicial system's incomplete understanding of the intersecting nature of misogyny and racism has prevented black women from effectively speaking out against and preventing both gendered and racialized discrimination. Crenshaw expands on this saying that sexism is defined in terms of the experience of white women and racism is defined in terms of the most privileged black people, often meaning straight black men, thus preventing um, a full practical understanding of how to resist either structure. Yeah, awesome. Um, Great. So before we dive in, we're going to basically work through the plot in this episode and see how it applies, uh, the theory applies. Um, But first, we're going to play a game. Uh, So this movie came out in 2016, sort of amidst uh, Disney making more of their own animated movies, like not from Pixar, uh, but also still releasing a bunch of Pixar movies. So we're going to do Facebook reactions to various Disney movies from this era uh and yeah we'll just go back and forth and see what we think of them so like for example if we were talking about monsters inc i would do a love react because i think so fondly of that movie from my childhood where i would probably do a scared react i think that movie is very scary there's no scared react but i stand by (laughs) what i'm saying yeah you know exceptions can be made (laughs) okay so first we have inside out 2015 um I think I would probably sad react because mm. I, I really liked it at the time and I didn't think it was as um, sort of like upsetting as some other people did. But every time I think about it now, I'm like, uh. yeah, no, I feel that I because my initial reaction is like a care react, you know, because sure. I'm like, oh, wow, like this, this, like this little girl just needs a hug, you know, yeah. but like it is kind of like a very, very weird movie the more I think about it. And I don't really know what the point of it was supposed to be now that I think back on it. Right. It is sort of like, oh, damn, like, seems like you had a, a terrible experience. <laughs> also, also bonkers or whatever the elephant was, was fucking weird. Uh, Bing I bong. hated him. Bing uh, bong. <laughs> I found that pretty um, genuinely frightening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, cool. So our next one, uh, Legends of the Guardians 2010. Uh, you go first, Marge. Wait, this is the Marvel movie, right? No, it's like the owls. What? This is not a movie. Oh, is this the one that there's a lot of memes of? Of an owl flying? Yeah. I, 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 I guess I can't comment. I, I, I give a, I give a confused react. <laughs> I'm gonna give an angry react because I haven't seen it, and I know that's uncynical of me to say that I angry react something that I haven't seen, but like. I, I don't I don't I don't like the like anthropomorphic like owls. It freaks me out. 
What is, what is this movie about? Uh, okay, so next one is... Oh, Coco, 2017. Aww. What do you think? Oh, absolutely a love react. Yeah, hard hard love reacts. I mean... Actu- uh. Actually, the writer of Coco is from my... Went to my high school, too. Wait, really? Yeah. Holy shit. High key. <laughs> Damn. Um, yeah, Coco is a great movie. Uh, the twist is great um and you know like you see it coming to some degree but it's like pretty genuinely scary on an emotional level um yeah and yeah like i it reminded me of earlier uh pixar movies in a really great way yeah really takes like footloose in a great direction i think (laughs) (laughs) uh ponyo 2008 i've never seen ponyo you've never seen ponyo oh wow i i really relate to ponyo like the character of ponyo I, it's definitely, in my opinion, oh, I think a care react, you know? Yeah, I was going to say care. It's all about this little boy, okay, oh, like growing up through meeting Ponyo. Yeah, I hear it's very endearing. Okay, next up, uh, Toy Story 3, 2010. What do you think? I don't know if I should go first because I never saw it because I anger react the whole Toy Story series. Okay, well, we have to dive into that, but I, <laughs> I wow react, but I was, uh, I was tempted to do a love react. I think it's great. I was like, I, I don't know how old I was. I was maybe like sixteen or something when it came out. Yeah, uh, and I think I was really ready to be like, oh, they shouldn't have made another Toy Story. Like, <laughs> like it's like, why did they do it? And I saw it, and I was like, oh, this is uh, great. Yeah, I just have such a bad. I think it's because when the first Toy Story I saw. It was like during this phase of my childhood where I was like, all my stuffed animals and toys had jobs. So I felt very seriously about that. <laughs> yes. We just have jobs and careers. Yeah, serious child Margie. That- <laughs> no, we know. <laughs> and I hated that the the toys and toy store didn't have fucking jobs. Like, come on. Their job is to make Andy a happy child. Oh my God. <laughs> but they have it. all this downtime where they do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's what makes things go wrong for them because they have downtime. And so Woody spends all this time, like, you know, festering on his anger. Exactly. If they had a job, this movie wouldn't need to happen. That is, uh, I, that's a terrible take. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Next up Lion King 2019, uh, Angry React. Yeah, also just sad react for me. Like a yeah. terrible use of Beyonce, you know? Right. No, I think you're actually right that it should because it's just like I feel uh nothing about that movie. <laughs> like, N- neutral react. Right. It it was just like it happened and it was just like, oh that was a waste of two hours. <laughs> Someone did actually tell me recently that they use like the same technology for the Lion King as they use for like Avatar, the fucked up Avatar, the James Cameron Avatar. Oh yeah. Which I'm just, like, disappointed that that was, like, the next time this, like, crazy technology was used that I knew Uh, about. Yeah, I just, I don't understand why they made that movie. And it's, like, yeah, it looks cool, but it's, like, it looks like a nature documentary, and that was supposed to be the whole thing. And yeah, there are a lot of great nature documentaries out there, and I I could just watch that. Okay, next up, Frankenweenie. Yeah, Frankenweenie. I have not seen Frankenweenie. Oh, but love react. The idea of a Frankenweenie is like <laughs> lovely. It's so nice. It's just like he's like a wiener dog and he's a. Isn't it like the story? Of, is it not the story of Frankenstein? With a wiener dog. 
if, but I guess probably I'm imagining it following the book Frankenstein, like very, very to a T, mm. you know, and yeah. I really like that. Like <laughs> very gothic. This, <laughs> yes, gothic, Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, I like, like that. Like going crazy and building. I th- I'm imagining Frankenweenie as the doctor, not as the monster, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, it's, it's still it's still a human. Like he puts together like a human parts and like makes like a human yeah. like zombie. Yeah. But yeah, like, the dog is a doctor. Dog. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, great. Um, okay, great. That is our game for this time. Uh, so we're going to move on. So we're going to go through the plot. But before we dive in, uh, since this movie is sort of meant to be uh, a metaphor for sort of, you know, discrimination in society. And I remember when it came out, that was like the big thing was like, oh, Disney's like taking on like it's going to make like a Disney's going to make a movie about like social issues. So we should we thought we would try to figure out first what we think the analogy actually is in the movie. Yeah, and full disclosure, like, I mean, I think we're going to be approaching this movie from a position of, like, fuck the cops. Yeah, uh, 100%. Yeah. So, okay, I feel strongly about this. You know, like, yeah. you know, I got a little high, you know, I'm watching Zootopia, (laughs) and I finally cracked the case on this movie. Great. You know? Okay, and so I think that, like, we can only really get at the metaphor if we, like, detach the character's gender from the gender they're supposed to represent here. Yeah. So it doesn't matter that Nick is a male character, right? Yeah. Like it's more about what he represents as his sort of like species. Yeah. So I think that there's like two levels going on here in Zootopia. There's both the size of the animal and the type of the animal, right? Cause there's this binary system where it's like they're prey and predators, which is a, Already a binary that I think quickly falls apart. Yeah, but... it, yeah, it doesn't make, quite make any sense. But and like, so I, was... sorry. And I, so I think that like being prey or predator is to mean like predators are supposed to represent black people and prey as like white people here, um, especially with this whole like predators are so aggressive; they need to be controlled. They're always doing crime, you know, all of this bullshit going on. And then the size of the animal is gender, you know, because I think you can really see this because when Judy joins the police force in Zootopia, there are lots of both prey and predators in the police force. And so, like, she's not being discriminated against because she's prey per se, because, I mean, like, the, the chief is technically prey because right. he's a water buffalo. He's big, yeah. He's just big. Like, the reason she's discriminated against is because she's, like, a small like kind of ground mammal creature, which there's probably a zoological term for what kind of mammal she is. Please email us if you know this. Yeah. Um, all, all of our zoologist listeners. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I think that's why Judy's meant to represent white women, right? She's like discriminated against the police force because she's like a white woman in a man's world. Right. Where all of these big prey are kind of white men. So they're sort of in charge. They're like meant to be there. You know, they fit in where I think the big predators in the police force are black men, you know, also kind of able to be in this masculine role because of their gender. Right. Well, then I think Nick is a black, supposed to represent black women because he's discriminated against for being a predator, but he's also discriminated against by other predators because like of his size, that he's supposed to be shifty because he's a fox, 
So like no one trusts him, prey and predator yeah. alike. No, yeah. Um, there are all these crazy lines where people are like, like, get out of here, you fucking fox, and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like I feel like in some ways him and Judy do kind of face similar right. some some of the same discrimination because there's definitely moments where they're both like kind of treated as like very small and looked down upon like very literally. Right. You know, by these sort of bigger animals. But then Judy's also like really fucked up to Nick all the time. Yeah, yeah. Right. I I think honestly, I think your interpretation tracks more than mine does. But like <laughs> I think so I agree that Judy is for the most part represents white women. Um, yeah. I think I guess that Nick represents black men because they're always sort of coding him as right, like dangerous uh, and untrustworthy, right. which like those are just things that line up with racist stereotypes that are very common for black men. Um, totally. And, you know, also like, yeah, I, I think that Judy represents white women and how she interacts with him also. Um, and by sort of distrusting him for no reason, very frequently. Um, but like, I, I, I guess, right. I guess she's just white women. And then I think that, where it gets confusing for me is that I also sort of think that at various points, prey represent black men, I guess. And then that predators are white men like being coded as like day, like predators at large. They're like dangerous. And like, because like in, in this, like theoretically um, like colorblind or whatever you want, you know, like post-discrimination society that they think they're in. They're like, like, Oh, well, thank God. Like predators aren't dangerous, dangerous anymore. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so yeah. I, that's my basic take on it. Yeah, I mean, I think there's also this take that's not worth, like, indulging that could be, like, a reverse discrimination take. Um, yeah. But I hate that take. Yeah, I... So, I uh, <laughs> we can get to <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it is a little bit worth indulging just because I, my guess is that that's what they actually were going for. Um, but, yeah, we, we, can, we can move there later. Yeah, word. Yeah, so I guess so for the sake of like breaking this movie up into kind of um, discernible chunks that we can sort of digest and talk about, because this movie like is almost two hours long for a Disney movie. And there is so much plot in this. Like it is insane. It's like you get like halfway through the movie and you're like, I've seen so much, but it's not even close to over. It feels like you're watching a Lord of the Rings movie with how much kind yeah. of like up and down there is in this film no it's really plotty and then they, they go here and they go there and it's like i i like like i i remembered that there was a twist at the end but like going into rewatching it because i hadn't seen it i guess like four years um i was just like wait like what like how is the twist <laughs> like someone's like hypnotized or something but there's just there's so many steps to get there and so like to try and like break down the little subplots are happening we've broken this this movie into sort of three acts so the first act is sort of the prologue sort of uh judy's backstory the world building and then kind of her moving to zootopia and first like starting out yeah you know and then act two is kind of judy's big break so her kind of figuring out how to be a cop and then her kind of t- taking on this murder not murder kidnapping investigation yeah. that's kind of a way to prove herself and that kind of ends with the climax of her kind of finding out what happened to these missing animals and her getting all this heroism, but then also being like really fucked up and throwing Nick under the bus for 
basically saying that he's savage because he's a predator. Yeah. And then act three is kind of Judy kind of being like, oh God, I'm a racist. And then <laughs> them finding out the true conspiracy behind everything. Um, and then everything is happy and Nick becomes a cop. Yeah. Uh, which is so tragic. And yeah, you know what they say. All cops are bastards. Uh, <laughs> okay, great. Um, so yeah, so it starts off um with judy like child judy sort of like telling like a, a sort of fairy tale i guess um talking about like in the distant past that you know sort of what we know animals to be like in our world today like predators would like hunt prey and like it was out of control and violent but like now they live in an enlightened society which just looks like you know the present day 2016 um where and th- that's not a problem anymore uh predators don't hunt prey anymore yeah i mean this is like such a one-dimensional i mean it reminds me a lot of like i feel like you know the story of thanksgiving that like you're forced to kind of in like act out as a child right in schools right so it's like the savage like hunting these like weak weaker but yet more civilized people and then them finding a way to like come to terms and like work together right and so I guess what they're setting up here is that the the prey are the victims of oppression, discrimination, however you want to say it, um, yes. because they are they were in the past in danger, but now they don't have to worry about predators anymore because they live in this sort of like, again, sort of like enlightened society um, yes. where everybody's equal. Yes. And I mean, so it, it's hard because I think you can interpret this as like, the prey are are supposed to be black people, indigenous people, minorities here, you know, who are yeah. being kind of like discriminated against. But I think you can also interpret it as like white people's fear of like, right, whatever you want to call it, like the Orient of like black rage, you know, kind of imposing upon them and destroying their way of life, right? Right. right. And so then I guess right in in that line is like the solution has been like okay, well, like thank God we forgot about all that and everybody's just like equal. And like, if we keep saying everybody's equal, then everybody's equal. Right. And there's like, you know, we don't get any kind of understanding of like, how did they come to this agreement? You know, like, like what was, was there a treaty? Like, how did this, how did this (laughs) go on? You know? No, totally. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, Judy, uh, is a bunny is the one telling the story. Um, we learned that, she in this new world, uh, her dream is to become a police officer. And we we see like lingering discrimination, some lingering stereotypes that are in the society because everyone's like, oh, a, a bunny, a police officer, like bunnies aren't police officers. That's just not how the world is. But she persists. Um, she gets beat up as a child by a fox in like a pretty um hor- horrifying bullying scene where like the fox like takes out his claws and like what seems like it's like a knife or something and like like slashes her face anyways uh and so basically then she grows up uh and goes to joins you know trains to be a police officer succeeds uh and joins the police force yeah and i mean i think then she like moves to zootopia which very much is part of her dream too is like moving to the big city right so there's like also this crazy like rural urban right dynamic happening here that like at no point can we ever i mean this movie also like like many other films i feel like we've talked about suffers from the problem of like you can ever only ever address one thing at once yeah right 
you know, and that's where the intersectionality really falls apart. Yeah, right. It's it, like, yeah, like no, at no point can we talk both about like, I mean, they try to is talking about like all these fears she holds as like a rural person moving to the big city. Yeah. But it it's just like never really is able to talk about both race and regionality at the same time right so right so like one really key thing i think is that her pair her bunny parents give her um fox repellent which basically looks like a can of mace um mm-hmm. and you know i think that's super like on point because it's like unclear it's like oh are you giving this to her because she's moving to the big city and foxes are there and so is it like a, right. is it a rural urban thing or is it like like I, obviously that imagery is very similar to sort of like gender discrimination, like imagery yes. in the real world, but it's sort of unclear is because there are like, there are foxes in on this farm that you live in. Well, and I mean, her backstory kind of is like, like the Liam Neeson thing, you know, where she's like validated and being scared of foxes because she oh. was beat up by a fox. You mean with his, oh no. I thought I was like, oh, what? Like, yeah, God, that <laughs> shit is uh, terrible. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, just Google Liam Neeson racist, and there's a pretty <laughs> disgusting uh, anecdote there for you. Uh, but yeah, no, totally. Um, right, and and that sort of even just like introduces like a like. I mean, when you talk about like fear of the urban, right? Like yeah. that's like, yeah, exactly. Like that's like, is something that's just like coded language for like fear of like black men, like. Yes, yes. Like, like fear of the dangerous city. Right. And it's like this complicated, complicated thing because she's like, you know, being treated, even though she's like a cop who is like <laughs> gone through strength training. Yeah. You know, is supposed to be very tough and able to take care of herself. Like her parents are still treating her as this like fragile presumably white woman right yeah who needs to have this like little can of mace to protect herself in the big scary city i mean her fragility very much like held up by the fact that like she is threatened intrinsically by the existence of black men right right exactly awesome so yeah so she is in the city she is a member of the police force um she is sort of disappointed to be sort of like relegated to parking duty the police chief is like basically like i didn't ask for a bunny to be put on my police force so like oh yeah i feel like we should mention that she is like part of the reason she's like in the police force is through this like mammal initiative right Right. like very much as affirmative action yeah right like the the mayor who's a lion and the assistant mayor who is a sheep have like right set up this like inclusivity initiative Mm -hmm. right so the chief who's a water buffalo uh voiced by Idris Elba in a great performance. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't, doesn't want to deal with her, puts her on parking duty. Um, she basically feels like she is, can do much more than she's like being given. And so I guess while on, well, okay. First of all, this movie, as we've mentioned a few times is really pro cop. And uh, the first thing that happens when she's a cop is she's given a parking ticket quota uh, which, if you don't know, take like quotas for policing are bad. Uh, and she just runs around like giving as many fucking tickets as she can. And like watching it now is just like, holy shit. Like, this is terrible. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm just really like bad. watching her like takes money from citizens, like, like just like almost like it's a game. Like, you know, at least she gives herself a parking ticket though, you know? Right. 
like, fair and balanced. It's not like the cops here outside of the Target that got burned down, you know, who always are just like parking on the sidewalk, just like going in and having their lights on outside while they buy like soap at the Target. You know, like give someone the, those cops should be getting parking tickets if we're yeah. going to be living in the system. Yeah. Oh, my God. The cops in Brooklyn. So they'll like <laughs> around police precincts. Right. You always know there's a police precinct nearby because they'll just park their cars literally just on the sidewalks. Oh my God. Like just rows of cars like their parking spaces like on the sidewalks. And so it just like blocks off like walking or you know any Ugh. anything fun like that uh and it's just like jesus like why like uh but yeah i think that like her kind of initial time that we see her on her first couple like days or weeks as the police force i think is like a good moment to um to talk about crenshaw because i do yeah. think there is this like it's really hard to talk about like why judy is like facing these problems um because and i think it's because there's like a lack of intersectionality lens in this world right like they only ever seem to be able to talk about like discrimination um of prey versus predators in this world right or even of like being a rural kind of farmer bunny versus like being in the big city. Right. But like, there's something going on that's like combining a lot of these different things, which is why Judy with all of her different identities faces so many problems that other prey cops aren't facing. I mean, there's lots of prey in Zootopia who are very small Yeah. too. Like there's the whole mouse world, like, but for some reason, like she is kind of getting, is stuck in the middle of a lot of different things that is causing her to be treated like very shittily yeah. on the police force. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like so spot on. And that actually like makes me think that like someone like chief Bogo, is that his name? Yeah. Uh, who's Idris Elba, the water Buffalo, you know, it, it seems to like not have the problem of people really looking down on him like they do on Judy because he just happens to have the advantage of being really, really like a really big prey yes and so like he doesn't have to deal with like all the people who like go up to judy and are like you know insult her for being small or like or like oh a bunny like shouldn't you be on a carrot farm um and so like by virtue of just both her size and where she comes from she has to deal with all these things that other prey might not have to deal with even though they they do have to deal with the problems of being prey yes and like and although crenshaw like focuses her essay on black women i mean she does totally open up space to be like we need to be talking about intersections between like race, gender, class, like I, she very much it wants this term. And I mean, I think that has been true of how the term has been used. And yeah. to be applied to both like regionality um, and gender and like speciesism as we see in this movie. Right. Right. And obviously, right. It, it's ex- exactly like has, has gone off in different directions in a really awesome way. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so meanwhile, uh, there's also this, sort of thing that's introduced where a bunch of animals have been disappearing and no mm-hmm. one knows why and judy asks the chief about it and he's like uh don't worry about it uh and so that's sort of just under under the radar um and so while she's on parking duty uh judy meets nick wild who is a fox he's a scammer uh <laughs> he like runs a scam where he like disguises another fox as his child and like buys a popsicle for the child and then melts the it's like a big elephant sized popsicle and like melts it down uh 
into smaller popsicles and sells them. Um, so he's you know, a it, it is fucked that like that he's able to make money that way though. There is something <laughs> wrong with like the popsicle industry here. Yeah. That like the parts are worth greater than the sum. Yeah, no, I was also wondering that because like in this instance, we see that Judy buys it for him. So he didn't pay anything, but presumably usually he would pay for it. And yeah. so it's like, oh, wait, like what? Like, and well, I guess he also like sells the sticks for lumber. Yeah. Right at the end. So he gets the next. There's like a lot of on the top or something. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a great scam, honestly. Like, he's really pulling it off. Yeah, yeah. And Um, this is a good moment to say, honestly, that, like, I went into this movie thinking, like, oh, like, it's probably bad. Uh, But honestly, like, I don't, I think I didn't give it enough credit. There are a lot of fun little, like, animation things. The animation of the scam is, like, really fun and creative. And, like, you know, like, the popsicle, like, rolling down the the shingles of a roof. Yeah, and I do like the, like, I think the the cuteness of this world that's, like, divided into different terrains and different sizes yeah. to accommodate all these animals. Yeah. Like, I think it's really cute that they have to, like, go move to, like, the polar part of town right. to, like, freeze the popsicles. <laughs> and the hamster, the business hamsters right. eating the popsicles are so cute. Yeah, coming out of their little it's hamster like, building. It. It was, yeah. The building is, it's, like, so they're, like bankers and it's called uh <laughs> lemmings brothers bank <laughs> it's just like ah mid-2000s jokes um but yeah i mean like i mean judy's only ever like giving a shit about the scam and like finds out about it because she's like profiling Nick. right right you know and i mean I, unfortunately where i think this movie kind of plays into this is because he's like actually she's actually like profiled him correctly in this instance yeah <laughs> Wait, um, he's a criminal. Yeah, but I mean, she only realizes that because then she's like, "Oh no!" Like, I uh, he's just buying a popsicle for his cute baby. Yeah, like I'm such an asshole. But no, he really is scamming. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, which is unfortunate here. So she ends up like actually having her her stereotype confirmed by right. this incident. Right. And, um. And so she blackmails him basically because she realizes that he hasn't paid any taxes on his business and so she's like (laughs) records him saying that and like says i'm going to arrest you if you i guess she just wants his help for the investigation yes yeah because he like knows all these like shady people right he knows the players in zootopia and because um because she's like specifically supposed to investigate mr otterton and otters uh, oh, by the way, we're eating popsicles. Oh, right, yeah, because they they make a popsicle scam, and we have we have popsicles. So she's investigating this like disappearance of Mister Otterton, this otter, and uh, she sees some photo of him in which he's like eating a popsicle, right. or something, and that's how Nick gets involved. But she basically is like, "Do everything for me." Yeah, yeah, God, he no, you're totally right. He's doing like a lot of the legwork. She's like, oh, what did this yeah. mean? And he's like, oh, well, I guess it could mean this. We should probably go to this part of town and talk to this person, ask them what they know. Like, Yeah, like you're a terrible cop. And also like you're just like recording and blackmailing this person for like admitting to a crime when they don't know they're being recorded. Like, yeah, this would never hold up in court. Yeah, yeah. You in know, court. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and so a lot of great bits uh, as they're sort of going around investigating. Uh, they go to like a nudist spa there's what is he some sort of like yak or something voiced by yes. Tommy Chong. 
Yes. <laughs> Great Tommy Chong role. <laughs> yeah. Right. Tommy Chong. Yeah. Shockingly playing a like really burnt out hippie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so they get some information there. Uh, there's a great elephant never forgets joke going on there. Um, yeah. They uh, end up uh, in Tundra Town, the like the cold section, uh, investigating a limo where the uh, the otter was, and they find out that it belongs to what's his name's Mister Big, right? Is the the mole's name? Yeah. Yeah, he's like a tiny mole. He's basically like the Godfather. Yeah, and all of his bodyguards oh. are pol- giant polar bears, and they hold him in their in their, in their palm. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like a great wedding part. Oh, it it is that is part is I really love. Yeah, no, I love it. It's like yeah, you know, sure, it's a little extended Godfather <laughs> joke. Like yeah, whatever. <laughs> but essentially, like the Godfather mole helps them like find out, crack the case on this, right? And they are able to basically throw a lot of a lot of extra steps here. Yeah, it's like too many steps to get to like what we find out is that all there's like predators such as Mr. Otterton who are just going savage is the right. word they use, and which is already so coded to use that word. Yeah, um, <laughs> and are going savage and returning to their nature. Um, of this kind of like pre-Zootopia world and attacking prey. Right. And so the mayor is essentially like the one kidnapping them and attempts to try find out what's causing them to go savage. Right. He's trying to basically keep everything hush hush um, in part because he as a lion is a predator um, and doesn't want to be, you know, be viewed negatively, but he's also just trying to like, like, okay, like the public doesn't need to know, like, let's figure out what's going yes. on here. Um, yes, which like he is doing something wrong here, but I I get why he like is doing this. Yeah, it's not. I mean, it's it's not that bad. I mean, maybe maybe he didn't need to like kidnap them and not tell their family either, but you know. Yeah, you know, I don't know details, right? Like, like it's not that bad. He's he's helping. Uh, we should say great performance by J. Jonah Jameson himself, J.K. Simmons mm. uh, as the yeah, mayor yeah. Lionheart, uh, <laughs> and. So basically, they um, what happens? They they basically just out him, I guess. Yeah, they like record it, right? You know, with a camera, and then they like yeah, like release the footage, and then the mayor basically is like, like you know, yeah, removed from office. Yeah. Um, Judy's a hero. Um, but the important part part here is yeah, the assistant mayor becomes the new mayor. The little sheep takes over. Yeah. And then Judy's a hero, and is like. Makes this horrible speech <laughs> yeah, really, in which really she's bad. like, she's like, like starts stopping like Nick, you were a part of this. You're a cro- you're a crook, but like you're so good, you should become a cop, be a good guy. I'm gonna mention you in the speech, but she gets up there, make and basically like puts her foot in her mouth. Yeah, yeah, and she um, like she says like. Like someone's like, oh, like why is this happening? And she's like, oh, like uh, it could be because they're predators, maybe. You know, like maybe it's just their yeah. nature to to be savage. And you're like, Ugh. <laughs> yeah. And she pulls this whole biology card. Yeah. And I think this is like, I think this is a moment where like Disney really is like pushing. Like, um, I think this is honestly one of their best moments in the movie. Yeah. Where I think in this moment, like Judy very much is like a white woman right. who is like throwing. I think black people generally under the bus right. here. Right. For her own, up, like for her, in order to, for her to get ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I mean, and to apply this back to Crenshaw, I mean, Crenshaw talks a lot. I mean, she has this 
um, great quote in which she says, even though a challenge policy or practice may clearly discriminate against all females, the fact that it has particularly harsh consequences for black females places black female plaintiffs at odds with white females right. here. Right. And so this is a moment where like, I mean, we see all the time Judy being discriminated against because of like her quote unquote biology, because she's small, because she is a little bunny and is weak. Um, and so people are always applying all these words to her that she totally rejects. Yeah. But instead of like in this moment, like being like, well, like I hate it when like I am sort of um, treated certain way because of my biology and because of like, what I can't change about myself instead of recognizing that and rejecting this like unproven theory about why Predator is going savage. She totally just like buys into it because of right. her own biases and fears. Right. She, she turns like the wrong way, you know, like she chooses to punch down like in that moment. Um, yeah. And there, there's, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I think it's what they do best in the movie. And there's a scene where like she goes back over to Nick uh and Nick's like, oh, great speech. And she's like, oh, what's your problem? And he's like, are you afraid of me? And then he like mimics like being afraid, basically. Um, and, you know, he realizes that she is and like she's uh, afraid of him because he's a fox. And he's like, I can't believe you. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, like Nick even like points out that like this whole time they've been together, he, he's like noticed that she's had a can of mace on her that literally has like like a caricature of a fox on it. Right, right. In, in a in a pretty, I think, good like demonstration of like a sort of like microaggression that he like he like realizes like like early on. Like like she thinks she just hasn't realized, but like like he's seen, like, yeah, like Yeah, so I, yeah, I actually think it's a good moment of being like minorities aren't dumb. Like they can see yeah. these things and they will remember them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, and we should also mention, so right before all of this goes down with Judy being really fucked up, um, we get a flashback from Nick, um, about him being bullied as a kid for being a predator. Um, and so, and it's sort of parallel to how Judy was bullied in the beginning of the movie. Also pretty horrifying. They like hold him down and like, like a bunch of like prey kids, like hold him down and put a muzzle on him. Uh, and so this is sort of the beginning of a thread of like, oh, actually, predators are sort of discriminated against, which sort of ramps up more and more as we go on. Yeah, and Nick has this kind of like, I mean, honestly, pretty poignant flashback when like the news, the press conference is happening, talking about these predators going savage because now all the savage predators have these muzzle, these same kind of muzzles on them. Yeah, and he has this sort of like horrible flashback to this thing that happened to him. Yeah, which I do think is this really kind of actually a very good example of like trauma thing with you, like racial trauma right. thing with you. But this flashback also fucked up because I mean, this essentially is like his moment of being like, "I'm a criminal because everyone thinks I'm going to be a criminal, so I just became a criminal." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really confusing. Like, yeah, right. His logic is like, well, like. If they think I'm shitty, then I'm gonna be shitty. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, this is where Disney can never get past the like surface level understanding of like racism as a system. Yeah. Like, never is like, well, there are a lot of things that factor into people like doing like quote unquote crimes. Yeah, yeah. So basically, so now I guess we're sort of like coming into act three um so basically we get we start seeing that there are a bunch of measures that are being put in place because everyone thinks that predators are 
like uh attacking everyone so like uh people are like losing their jobs or like you know no predators like at the front desk because people will be afraid um and so we we start seeing some real like systematized like discrimination being put in place against predators yes there's even this sort of like pseudo civil rights parody happening about like Shakira the gazelle holding like a protest a peace protest in opposition to the discrimination against predators right yeah so sorry we should say Shakira in this movie plays like uh, gazelle who is a pop star who is Shakira yeah (laughs) Um, and she's yeah beloved in Zootopia Um, and so Right. And so Judy is horrified at what's happened. Basically, um, she moves home dejected um, and she's basically like at home working with her parents, feels like a failure. Um, and so there's this thing that was introduced earlier, which I had totally forgotten to like talk about, but uh, that the like predators who are going savage talk about like the night howlers and they think previously that it's like the wolves that the um the mayor was using to kidnap them because they howl but judy essentially figures out that it's actually a common name for a flower that if any animal eats it not only predators it makes them go like feral yeah yeah the 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 crack epidemic of this world. Yeah, right. It is like really like ah, drugs, like bad. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so Judy basically like realizes there's something else going on here. She goes back to the city and makes up with Nick. Um, and how does how does she realize that it's so? It it's it's the sheep. It's the assistant mayor. Well, I mean, he realizes because the sheep, like, they're, like, running away from these people who are creating the, in, like, a, a Baking Brad parody. Yeah. Breaking Bad, like, are making the drug, which really solidifies it being the crack or meth epidemic. Yeah. Um, making the drug that, like, causes them to go savage. And right. They're running away. They end up in a museum. And then like the assistant mayor is like magically there and Judy's not right. yet. So she's like, wait, this is whack. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. And I think that like, and again, in this moment, cause we find out basically like the, the assistant mayor has like staged this in order to like get power. And so she'll know like, yeah. lost around by like the mayor who is an asshole to her. Like that is true. Yeah. But she's the one who interprets that to mean like, Oh, my boss sucks. So all predators suck. and so i'm just gonna like take down all predators in order to like get power here right right and so this is what i think is like really kind of interesting about this movie is that why this movie is i think largely sort of like toothless in its analogy for various types of discrimination is there's no actual like system of oppression right um it's just saying like yeah people have bad attitudes and like and that those discriminatory attitudes lead to discrimination. Um, but what's actually happening here is like, she actually got very close to setting up the, the assistant mayor did to setting up a system of oppression. Yeah. Like you like see rights being stripped away from predators, like, like she, and in order just for her own, like power consolidation. Uh, 
I mean, she's like, like setting up an apartheid here. Right. <laughs> like, but that that's sort of like almost like the least examined part is like, oh yeah, that would be bad. And then you're like, yeah, like, like this, that would be worse than before. Like so much worse. Right. And I mean, that's why like this movie, yeah, it totally fails at the end because I mean, essentially, I mean, obviously the sheep goes to jail. I don't know who, like, does the mayor, the lion become mayor again? Yeah, I don't know. He's like, he has a CNN interview about the, I don't know. Yeah, but basically, I mean, no changes in the system actually happen here. They're never addressing that, like, the only reason that, like, all of this went down is because this, they're like, they're still, like, putting out this narrative of, like, predator and prey instead of like blurring those lines and kind of like doing away with these these categories of difference here yeah right and they like right they're unable to address the fact that like they were like it seems like in the beginning of the movie what they're going to do is like everyone in utopia is colorblind and then later on they're going to say like yeah but colorblindness is fucked up and wrong and like that is a really bad reading and understanding of just like the world um and like, but they sort of like ditch that and they don't like really address in the end, like, well, like this color blindness is what made us blind to the actual systems of, or not just like, like cultural attitudes of discrimination and oppression that then allow the assistant mayor to, yeah. you know, like seize on them and manipulate them in order to consolidate power and set up more systems of discrimination. Yeah. Cause I mean, they're basically saying like, this world is colorblind. JK, it's not really colorblind. It's never been colorblind. <laughs> But yeah. now it is colorblind. Right. Now we solved it. So it's yeah. cool. Yeah. And so uh, Judy is a big hero. And uh, uh, now that Nick and her have made up, Nick joins the police force. And then they do adventures together as cops. Yeah. I mean, I remember seeing like memes about this, like as early as like 2017, like, like like Zootopia is like a like a bourgeoisie fantasy in like which like the fox like joins at the end joins the very system that has been oppressing him this whole time, which is true. Like a, Judy is a cop who is harassing him. Yeah, I mean Judy should like a better ending would be like Judy realizing that like oh the police system like we very much had a role in doing this, so like right. like maybe we should disband the police because we helped create all of this discrimination right 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 even just like at a like minimum just like her quitting like honestly it would be so much more satisfying if she just became a criminal with nick (laughs) i know or they like start some new sort of organization that is mediating conflict between predators and prey you know yeah yeah you know what you know what is a good ending to a movie is the ending of fucking black panther because (laughs) in the ending of black panther they're like man that was a really fucked up complicated conflict that we just had uh in which like they're like you know this person was attacking us and that was wrong but his philosophy was sort of right what we should do is uh invest in the community and they set up like a community center because they're like this shouldn't happen we've abandoned like we haven't been paying attention to the world we've abandoned the world Yes, exactly, exactly. <sighs> and I mean, this, like, ultimately, it all comes back to Crenshaw, right? Yeah. Crenshaw's concept of the but-for. Yeah. In which he basically um, has this, says, like, quote, the direct message of anti-discrimination law is that it will only regulate only the limited extent of which race or sex interferes with the process of determining outcomes. Right. And this is essentially is what the movie says. is like there is race and sex and the kind of parallels in this world we're interfering with the good system that Zootopia runs on. Right. Of this kind of like 
for lack of a better word, this kind of kumbaya yeah. kind of world. No, sure. Which, like, Crenshaw basically shows that, like, that doesn't exist. Like, yeah, that, right. The system is what's the problem here. Right, exactly. Right, which is what makes it so sort of, like, uh, frustratingly, like, neoliberal is that it's like, it's like, yeah, you know, like, the system is basically good, like, but th- this this kind of fucked up thing just happened. So let's like fix that. Or like, there might have been some like little problems from the beginning, but like, but but it's okay. Like we we got them. <sighs> and it's like like no, that's not what's happening at all. <laughs> like it's like it's fucked. It's, it fucked all the way down. Long story short, Disney do better. Fuck the yeah. police. Fuck Judy. Fuck Nick for becoming a pig at the end yeah. of the movie. I mean, like, I, I was going to say, like, like, man, they should really, like, do, like, an actual, like, uh, you know, like, radical movie. But they're not going to do that. They're, like, they're, like, they're certainly not going to do that in their, like, their flagship animated movies. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. And, like, and we talked about it the other day. Like, they, they sort of tried to do it again with Frozen 2, uh, and it was bad. <laughs> it was really messy, and it made no sense. And it was just like, wait, like, what? Like, why do I, why do you need to do this? Like... Yeah. Uh, anyways, D- Disney is a company founded by a, by a mean, mean anti-Semite and racist, and uh, and uh, that culture has sort of persisted. So, thank you all for listening. Um, if you enjoyed listening to this episode or any of our other content, um, we ask that we you consider supporting us on Patreon at Blatant Misreading. We have cool levels and stuff. If you yeah. a little bit of money, you can tell us what we should talk about on the podcast and we will do it yeah coming soon as an option possibly is me uh sending out recordings of me doing karaoke songs uh my my choice not yours but but we we've we that that level is coming soon you'll you'll well we're gonna roll it out so sort of slowly with a you know media campaign you go to ten thousand dollars you do yeah give us ten grand do it So, Blameless Readings is produced by Josie Baker and created and written by Margie Tonoxley and Aaron Posner. Intro music is by Connor James. Cover art is by Hannah Grimes. Blatant Misreading is recorded and produced in Minneapolis, Minnesota and Brooklyn, New York. Fuck the NYPD. <laughs> and the MPD. Yeah, every single one.